Hello fellow adventurers and welcome back to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. This week I have been studying quests, especially the design of quests um, in card games. How do you get an epic hero journey, which is what a quest often yeah, is, um, represented on a single card? How do you get the theme of your game transported on, yeah, on a quest card? And how do you design the quests to be as interesting as possible? What tasks do you set for your players and how do you reward them for the effort they put into the quest? I've asked myself all of those questions, um, especially because I'm currently working on the quest cards for my own drafting game. And um, yeah, I thought it would be a good idea to um, look at some of my favorite games and research how they have implemented um, the quest cards in, in their game. So without further ado, let's dive right into the topic and um, start by defining what, yeah, what a quest actually means for me. A quest is some form of task that um, a player or a group of players may complete in order to gain a reward. Quests are most commonly seen in, yeah, let's say, role-playing games and um, MMOs, but they are also um, quite common in most board games and in a lot of card games, even if they are not um, as present as in the RPG world. For completing a quest, players typically receive some form of loot or reward, such as um, items, um, money, uh, victory points, um, or they just uh, gain experience points and are able to access new levels, um, or they um, are able to explore new locations and areas as a reward. And often the reward is also um, yeah, very much ingrained into the character development system. And um, yeah, by completing quests, players um, increase yeah, the experience of their character and they learn new skills and, and new abilities. Oftentimes a quest is also described as, um, yeah, as a difficult or exciting journey towards a specific goal. This uh, comes more from the, from the literature aspect of quests. And in literature, a quest often requires a great exertion on um, the part of the hero, who must um, yeah, overcome many obstacles. Um, he often has to, to travel quite a bit during a quest. Um, and that allows the storyteller in the literature um, to showcase um, new exciting locations, cultures. Um, and that is also a very in interesting aspect of quests because um, they can be used to to yeah to tell a story to to transport the narrative of your game to the players and the object of a quest may also have some um, yeah oftentimes supernatural properties often um, leading the protagonist into yeah, other worlds and other dimensions so um, they are also often used to transport the fantasy or science fiction aspect um, in in literature and movies as well so for me, the quest is often um, the backbone of a very good hero's journey because the hero um, 
um, has to overcome obstacles. Um, the moral of the hero um, is often tested, and um, during a quest, a hero can also um, the character of a hero can also change quite a bit. And um, yeah, this this is um, these are the two aspects of quests that I want to research a little bit. On one hand, I'm interested in um, how the games really implemented um, quests. What kind of um, challenges um, in form of um, um, mechanics have they presented to their players? How did they handle the reward? What kind of um, game components were used um, as rewards and so on? The more the, uh, the game design aspect of quests. And on the other side, I'm also very much interested in how they were able to yeah, deliver a good story, a good narrative with their quests. So um, do the quests really help them um, to, um, to deliver the, um, the theme or the setting of the game? The first game I um, took a look at was uh, Blood Rage because I just recently um, recorded a podcast episode about the game and um, yeah, I played it a lot um, during the lockdown phase. And um, in Blood Rage, quest cards are um, drafted as all the other cards as well in the game um, and they are then played hiddenly um, as a free action so that the, the other players do not see on which quest you are working. And um, yeah, then if you um, fulfill the requirements during the quest phase, um, they grant some, some bonus in form of victory points, and um, you also are um, allowed to level up your um, clan stats, so that you will have more resources in the next uh, age, or you will have more um, um, slots for... Um, Units that you can place on the battlefield, or you can you get better reward for winning winning combat. The quest cards in Blood Rage are really um, yeah an integral part of the game because without quest cards you will not be able to um, gain enough victory points to win the game. I would say so, um, and you you are confronted with them all of the time. You can you see them during the draft, and you have to decide um, which of them you want to to pick and they also define um, your strategy quite a bit because um, how they work is that most of the quests involve having um, the most strength in a given province in a given given area of the of the battlefield of the map um, and you have to combine the strengths of each of your figures in that province um, and you have to compare that total number to the total strength of each other clan in the same province. And if your total is greater, you fulfill the quest. Um, or if it's lower or if you tie with an enemy, you fail the quest. Um, and there are also other quests that reward you for um, uh, having four or more um, units die um, in during, the, during the main combat phase of the game. And that is very thematic. Um, because uh, the game is very much about uh, dying um, during combat as a Viking and um, yeah, uh, earning your spot in Valhalla. So that um, means that the quest um, quests really have an influence on um, the tactic that you you are going to play during the game, and um, they also some of them are. Um, Thematic others like um, yeah having the most power or most strength in one province, yeah not so much I would say, but that is also only the challenge side of the quest, which is to some degree thematic. The other side, the reward side of the quest, is um, 
for me personally not thematic at all because you just gain victory points um, and you you can um, increase one of your clan stats and that's the same for all of the quests so um, there is no difference in the reward that you can that you get from quests so I think there would be some some room for improvement here to um, yeah to deliver also some kind of um, theme through the um, reward in a quest compared to some other quest cards from other games in blood rage the quest cards um, only have a one-time effect so there is no contingent effect once you have um, um, solved the quest there is no process that you track towards the quest it's just um, just a one-time check during the quest phase did you um, fulfill the quest requirements or not that's it and then you get a one-time um, one-time reward and there is also no limit how many quest cards you can have during a certain age. Um, it is only limited by the yeah, total number of cards that you can draft. You probably don't have um, six quests during um, during one age because six is the maximum number of cards that you are, are going to draft. Um, but I have seen players that um, had um, three or even four quests in one phase. So from my perspective, the quests in Blood Rage are okay. Um, I think there is some room for improvement, um, which I already mentioned. They, what I do not like so much about the quests is that um, they do not really add much to the game between players. Um, because they are always hidden, you do not know what on what quests everyone is working. And um, you do not really interfere much um, with, um, with the others while they quest. So... Um, there's some mind games um, because you, at the end of an age, you can see if someone places um, their units in a certain um, area. That might um, be a good indicator that um, he or she wants to have the um, the most um, strength in that um, province to fulfill a quest. But oftentimes, that then it's already too late to do something about it. So um, I think there would be some, yeah. Um, room for improvement because most of the quests are very similar and yeah the reward is this more or less the same um, for all of for all of them the next game i wanted to talk about is um yeah magic the gathering um, an all-time favorite uh, game that i mention all over the time on this podcast and um in magic several different um ways of quests have been um, have been implemented over the years, um, but only one of them um, really was called Quests. Um, and they were introduced in the Thendikar expansion um, in form of enchantment cards. And these enchantment cards, um, they gain quest counters um, as triggered abilities for fulfilling quest-specific events. And after building up enough quest counters on, on a um, quest card, players receive a reward in form of a very strong game effect, typically. Um, let me give you an example. A good example is um, the card Quest for the Crave Lord. Um, it says, whenever a creature dies, you may put a quest counter on Quest for the Crave Lord. Um, and then, at some point um, during the game, you may remove three quest counters from um, the card and sacrifice it. Um, in order to create a 5-5 black zombie giant creature. That's a very good um, cost ratio because um, 
a five five creature is something you typically have to spend four or five or even more mana um, for, and um, not just one. Um, that is how much the um, the quest for the Crave Lord card costs. But um, yeah, you have to wait until you receive the reward. And um, the interesting thing here is that you um, you can adjust your game plan. You may be willing to yeah sacrifice some creatures during the attacking and blocking step that you typically wouldn't do just in order to um, um, resolve the the quest for the Crave Lord a little bit earlier. Um, and um, it's also it delivers some kind of uh, of good theme because um, some creatures die. Um, and then you raise them from the dead as one big um, zombie. And if you could see the um, the image right now, you would see that um, the five five uh, zombie giant. Um, yeah, it's it's some kind of mashup of uh, of different other creatures that died before. So that makes um, makes sense from a thematic point of view. And um, yeah, it's pretty much the typical thing that you would expect from a quest. Um, you have some. Um, you have a requirement that you need to fulfill, um, and you you get a you get a reward after you have a uh, yeah spent some effort to get there. Some of the or most of the quests have um, yeah a one time effect um, once the threshold of quest counters is reached, um, like like I just mentioned here for the um, quest for the Crave Lord. And in order to make sure that this is just a one-time effect magic um, printed on most of the cards, that you have to sacrifice them once you activate them. Um, but there are also some, um, yeah, bit more um, powerful um, rare quests that um, stay on the battlefield and they grant an ongoing global effect once you have um, achieved the requirement. And here are also some differences to the quests of uh, Blood Rage. I know they are not comparable at all, um, but instead of um, yeah, playing the quest hidden, you play it revealed in Magic. So the opponent really sees what you are going for, and um, that might not only change um, your own game game plan, but also the game plan of the opponent. Um, he might, he or she might not um, uh, want to attack you at all because. Um, um, during the blocking phase, you could decide to um, sacrifice some of your creatures and um, get to the the, the grave lord um, early, and that might not be uh, your opponent might not be able to stop it. So he might he or she might uh, decide not to attack at all. And um, it's not only a one-time thing that you check. Did I uh, did I? Um, Solve my quest, yes or no? It's like a, it's more like a, a, a process, um, and you track this process with quest counters on the card. Um, there are some, I think there are some cards uh, in the game that can inter um, interfere with the with the quest counters, um, and you, as a player, are also able to um, put counters there um, in another way. But this is, um, yeah, it's not the main goal of um, of the quest cards to work with them like that. I really, really like the implementation um, of the quests, but most of them have never been really popular in the game, at least not in competitive play, as far as I know. Probably because their effect is delayed and it is not predictable enough for competitive play. You, you will only be able to reap the rewards in the late game, um, 
which sometimes is too late and you often cannot afford to play a card that has no immediate effect on the game. And oftentimes it is... The competitive players don't like to play cards um, in which their opponent also have some yeah, agency um, in um, what the effect of the card is or when the card triggers. And with quest cards, um, often the opponent can really um, yeah, slow down the process that you are making on the quest. So the reward oftentimes is only good if you achieve it um, doing on your mana curve maybe on turn three or four in that case um, and um, it gets worse um, the longer it takes until you get the reward so that was pretty much from my perspective the reasons why they were not so popular in the um, competitive formats but as far as i know they are very popular in the um, in the commander um, format which is more or less a multiplayer casual format um, and that is much more focused on um, on theme because you um, in that format you play some kind of um, um, of commander card so one leader for your for your deck and um, the oftentimes the all the cards that you put into your deck um, somehow um, belong together it can be they can be from the same race they can um, they can do have the same effects or so um, they are very thematic and um, it's not so much about the, um, the the pure power level in that in that format. And um, yeah, as I mentioned, quests are quite good in delivering some kind of theme. And if you play some um, a zombie commander deck, for example, um, the quest for the Gravelord would be um, a very good fit. Before we move on, I would actually like to talk a little bit more about the um, the quests cards in magic because i found an um an article from um mark rosewater um, the designer of magic um, in which he talked about the design process of those quests how they came to be um, and before the quests became quests in magic they were actually called maps during the design process and um, instead of enchantments they were artifacts um, that required you to have three things um, before you were able to sacrifice him to get some a big effect. And um, the core idea behind them was um, that each map had a series of tasks you had to fulfill. And once you did it, um, this would lead you to the treasure. Um, uh, a spell effect that would, um, would be much cheaper than it um, actually should be. But you have to put in the work. Um, and um, here is the example... Um, of a map and the map was called map to the scary Crave Lo graveyard um, and that is actually the predecessor of um, the quest for the Cravelord card that i just mentioned and it also costed uh, one mana and it was an artifact instead of an enchantment and um, uh, the, the card text was sacrifice the card put a 4-4 zombie token into play you may only activate um, the card if you have an equipment, a zombie, and a cleric in play. That is very thematic from my perspective. That's even even better than the um, enchantments uh, version of the card because um, um, I would have changed it a little bit. Um, you, um, I would have said you need an, a cleric, an equipment, and a creature card in, in your graveyard or so. Um, in the end, um, however, they changed it um, to quests because they wanted them to be enchantments in the different 
uh, colors instead of colorless artifacts. Um, and that has something to do with, um, with their color pie um, because the color pie restricts the designers to assign certain, yeah, certain abilities and keywords to colorless cards. And though they were not able to yeah, use the entire design space, um, that they wanted to have for the design of those um, of those uh, yeah quests, but they did not only change the card type, but also the how to accomplish a quest part. Um, they they really liked the idea of card that you cannot use until you have done or achieved something, and that's pretty much um, yeah what I think a quest is about. You have to put some effort in, um, and rather than um, have each quest require three different things they instead changed the quest to um, have you do one thing multiple times. That allowed them um, to, to vary the number of times you need to trigger a quest in order to achieve the reward, instead of always having um, three different things to achieve. And that helped them quite a bit to balance the quest um, because it's much easier to, um, yeah, to just change the number of um, counters that you have to achieve um, compared to yeah, changing um, one of the three um, requirements. I, find, I always find this, find this very interesting to, to read why they made certain changes and how, how different card types came to be. And um, especially with, uh, with regards to, to quests, I, I found it quite interesting that they made the shift from... Um, from having these three different things to um, to have one thing multiple times. That's something yeah, we as designers should also keep in mind um, that it sometimes makes sense to, um, to give up a little bit of, um, of a good thematic um, implementation um, in order to, to get something that is maybe easier to understand for the players and easier to balance for, for us as, um, as players. Um, but I know that's always a difficult a difficult call to make and um, I don't know um, which decision I would have made in, in their position. So, but before we move on to the next game, there are more other games, um, I wanted to quickly talk about the other implementa implementations in Magic that um, also are not called quests but feel very much like quests. Um, we have um, the flip cards um, and they are pretty much two cards in one and the top car top um, uh, area of the card is um, typically requires some kind of trigger and when this um, um, trigger is activated then the card is flipped and the bottom part of the card um, now becomes the new top part um, and is active. Until then, you ignore the information on the bottom half um, of the card completely um, until you really flip it. Um, and when you flip, um, I think they were most of the time they were hero cards, um, you turn it upside down and play with the with the other half of, half of the card. Um, and um, for example, there was they were I think they were. Um, popular in the um, Champions of Kamigawa um, set. And um, I don't know if they have been reprinted. I don't think so. Um, and one card is the Aki Lava Runner. And it's a 1-1 creature. And when it deals damage to an opponent, um, you flip it. So you have to get through their defense once 
um, in order to flip it to make the card uh, much more powerful. Um, and in order to make that a little bit easier to achieve, they gave the creature haste so that you uh, might surprise your, um, your opponent um, and don't give him or her time to prepare. The next implementation in Magic are the double-faced cards. Um, um, they are thematic, oftentimes very thematically, um, and they represent something that um, really undergoes a major transformation. Um, and they were imp um, first introduced in the Innistrad set, a gothic horror set, um, and most of the cards um, were werewolves or vampires, um, or zombies, and um, later on in another set, in the Magic Origins set, um, they were also implemented um, planeswalkers um, who, um, yeah, whose spark ignited. So they they first, um, um, yeah, learned that they are planeswalkers and um, how they are able to, yeah, to planeswalk between different um, between different um, worlds and planes, and. Um, they are also pretty much the same. You have some kind of um, trigger, some kind of requirement that you need to achieve on the front side of the card. And once you have achieved that, you flip the card on the other side and this is then pretty much your um, your reward because it's the, the much more powerful um, side of the card. And um, there are some cards that can... Um, also flip back, so they can flip um, front, back, back, front, front, back, um, and so on. Um, and they sometimes have um, yeah, triggered abilities when they flip um, in order to um, yeah, to give you some kind of um, incentive to yeah to flip them from back to front, from front to back again. And one one example here would be the Daybreak Ranger, which is a, yeah on the front side it's a human archer. Um, werewolf and um, but on the picture it really is a human and um, yeah you can tap it to deal two damage to target creature with flying and um, most of um, the werewolf creatures they were flipped um, at the beginning of of an upkeep at the beginning of a turn more or less if no spells were cast last turn so um, if your opponent didn't cast anything and you didn't cast anything in their turn as well um, the card um, was flipped, and then it was a, a much um, stronger werewolf version of that of that human card. And um, yeah, I would say these are more or less the most thematic cards in um, the entire Magic universe. And there are I don't know fifteen thousand cards or so. Um, and for me, all the cards with that undergo a major transformation, um, they really they tell a story. Um, some of the planeswalkers that are more or less really um, just normal creatures in the beginning, but then when their spark ignites and you fulfill the requirement, um, they flip into a very, very strong um, planeswalker. Um, and I like that, and that is um, something that resonates with people, and um, yeah, they really... Um, the game, the moments in the game when you, when you are able to flip the cards because you have achieved... Um, the requirement and you've achieved more or less the quest um, is just a, a great feeling for the for the players, a great reward. Um, and I like uh, I like those cards quite a bit. And there are even more implementations uh, in Magic that feel like quests. For example, you have morph cards that are also um, feel much like the 
um, like the flip cards um, or the double face cards because you play them hiddenly with the car normal card back on top and they are counted as two two creatures without any abilities and then um, they have some kind of secret um, secret trigger once the trigger is um, is um, active you may you may flip the card and um, show show the opponent um, what you really had below that card um, I like them as well. They also feel um, people people love the cards and um, they are do very much good things for the for the gameplay. And they have been reused um, quite often now in Magic, the same as double faced cards that you, um, you can see um, in in many sets now. And um, I think this is the sign that um, that people like them and that they good, do good things to the game. So, but I don't want to go too deep into these all of these different implementations in Magic, because I also want to mention some other games today. And the next game is um, Hearthstone. And in Hearthstone, you do have um, two different aspects that I wanted to talk about. The one is um, are quests, actually called quests, and the other one um, is called secrets. And the difference is that quests are revealed to the opponent. So they know what you are going for, uh, while secrets are, yeah, surprise, surprise, they are hidden until you achieve them. Um, and in Hearthstone, a quest is some kind of spell ability, um, which grants a, yeah, a conditional reward. So when the condition of the quest is met, as usual, um, the quest reward is given to the player. Um, uh, but the implementation in Hearthstone is a little bit different than the other games that I've mentioned because quest cards are um, included automatically in the player's start hand. Um, and um, you can only have one quest um, active at a time. Um, you have to um, yeah, complete a quest before you can play another one. And um, yeah, um, the quests, once you've played it, um, they are revealed. And... Um, I um, I also found an an, um, an interview with uh, with Peter Whalen, the senior designer of Hearthstone, um, where he talked a bit about the design process of quest cards, um, and um, yeah, I found that um, similar interesting to Mark Rosewater's um, article about the design process, and um, yeah, I wanted to talk you guide you a little bit through um, their design process of quests as well, and. Um, in the beginning, they really wanted quests to feel as much like normal cards as possible because um, that would make them... Yeah, they, they thought that would make it easier for the players to understand the cards. Um, and there was one card which was called Quest for Epic Loot, which said, um, when this is the only card in your hand, transform this into Epic Loot, which was another card then. And one of the things they noticed was that quests that transformed in a player's hand were very frustrating for the opponent because a very strong effect happened out of nowhere and they didn't really yeah, have a chance to interact with them. And in order to fix that, they um, required quest cards to be played and allowed both players to see their progress. Um, similar to how it is in Magic, um, and um, another interesting aspect about quest cards is also um, mentioned in this article um, because they 
thought about how quest cards would be played. They tried having them played automatically from a player's deck, so they didn't take up um, any space in the opening hand, but they figured out that this would be too powerful. So with no risk um, involved at all, every single deck would um, would play quests just in, in case they happen to satisfy the conditions um, or, yeah, as another reason, to simply uh, thin, thin the deck um, by one card. On the other hand, um, having to draw a quest felt really bad because you, yeah, you couldn't make progress on it until you drew it halfway through the game. Um, and that can be very frustrating as well and you need to think about that if you um, have some form of randomization in your in your deck and you draw the quest during the end of the game and then you go on the journey and try to fulfill the quest's requirements um, that might be too late and the card might be completely obsolete and useless at that time and yeah that is why they decided to have quest cards um, um, automatically in the um, opening hand and um, yeah, then they needed to decide how how much it would cost the players to play the quest cards. And they were thinking about either it would be um, for free, so it would cost zero, or, um, or one. Um, and it turned out that um, it was too strong um, with zero. And um, making them the quest cost one um, helped um, them to, yeah, to slow down um, the game a little bit and to add an interesting decision for the player because you really need to find the right moment to play the quest um, and you wouldn't have that decision um, and extra strategy when the quest would cost zero. So that is how the quest cards in um, Hearthstone came to be. And to give you an example of how quest cards look like, um, I um, yeah I have some examples here. Um, for example, there is a blessing of uh, divinity um, that um, the quest says you need to play seven cards with divine shield, um, and as a reward, you then receive a, a special card that is typically quite strong. Um, and another quest um, requirement for Fire Plum's heart would be um, play seven um, minions with taunt, or um, um, the caverns below would be um, play four minions with the same name or some summon seven death rattle minions for um, awaken the master's uh, quest and as a reward you always um, receive uh, another card um, that typically is quite um, quite strong in comparison to to that quest you also have secrets in the game and um, a secret is a spell card that is cast normally um, but has a delayed hidden effect which only takes place when a specific event occurs and when a secret is played a secret icon appears on the caster's portrait um, but the name and the details of the secret are not revealed to the opponent until the card is activated um, by its hidden condition um, and secrets can only be activated um, on the opponent's turn um, preventing the player from triggering them themselves so it is not really like going on a quest and achieving something yourself it's more like um yeah plan plan ahead um and um, try to um 
guess what the opponent might be doing um, and um, yeah, um, prepare your reactions because there are no real reactions in Hearthstone. So it's easy to say that they ha are the form of interacting with your opponent um, during their turn. And yeah, there are some limitations. Um, I think you're only allowed to have one secret active at any one time. Um, and um, you are uh, unable to play more than five different secrets um, at a time. Um, and what you can try to do is try to maneuver the game into a certain direction so that your secret um, is triggered. But um, you typically don't have the chance to, yeah, to activate it um, yourself. And um, to give you some examples... Um, there is, for example, an explosive trap that when your hero is attacked, um, it deals two damage to all enemies. And um, Or snipe, um, after your opponent plays a minion, you deal four damage to it immediately. Um, or a counter spell um, that might some of you might know from Magic the Gathering. And when your opponent casts a spell, it is countered and negated. Um, yeah, and this is how secrets are implemented. As mentioned, I um, they are not really like quest cards um, but I wanted to mention them um, anyway because um, they feel like um, yeah, like the like the little sister or brother of um, of quest cards and um, the major difference really is that they are played secretly um, versus uh, versus revealed and um, I think for the design process um, both of it um, might be something to consider um, and um, if you're interested in it, um, it might make sense to look at Hearthstone as well. The next game I wanted to mention here is um, Carnival of Monsters. And in Carnival of Monsters, um, it is a drafting game from Richard Garfield, um, the designer of Magic, which I yeah, already mentioned before on this podcast as well. And um, you have two different types of quests in this game. Um, you have season goal cards, which are... Um, not drafted they are revealed um, at the beginning of um, of each turn um, and um, they are goals that everyone can achieve and then you have secret goals that are cards that are drafted um, and then played hiddenly so that only the owner can achieve it and um, season cards um, as mentioned are revealed in the beginning of each round and they are a mix of a public and a private goal um, because each player can um, fulfill, fulfill one aspect of the quest um, and um, earn some gold coins um, as a reward. And that is typically for playing a monster of a specific color. And um, so during the draft round, this might change your pick order a little bit so that... Um, you might think of um, picking a creature or monster from from a certain color a little bit higher than you actually would, because you want to yeah to gain the gold coins for that quest, and um, everyone can achieve that um, that um, that quest. It's not mutually exclusive, also. But at the end of the round, um, the player with the strongest monster in that color um, receives the season gold card, um, and that can only um, be one player there um, who achieves that card. Um, and at the end of the of the game, um, this card then grants additional victory points. Um, so um, I like that um, both uh, aspects um, are here on one card. Um, you can receive something 
um, that is not mutually exclusive, though it is very very well um, for uh, designed for a multiplayer game, but also um, gives you some form of um, incentive to yeah, to push into a certain direction um, to be the best in that area and to um, yeah to 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 earn that victory points on that specific quest. However, so season cards they don't really are too thematic um, i think in the rule book they explain that um, during some seasons um, the the audience might be looking for certain creature types because they want to go into the um, the carnival and see monsters from yeah from a certain area uh, more than from other areas but yeah i mean okay that they are quite simple um and they are also um they're just i don't know five or six quests or so um one per color and um, I think one other quest and um, yeah they are all the same um, and I think there would also have been some way for uh, room for improvement here as uh, the same as it is in um, in Blood Rage. Then we have also the hidden goals um, however and um, they are not revealed but they are secretly drafted just like all the other cards in the game and um, after a player picked one of those cards um, they have to pay um, one uh, one resource, uh, one gold, to place it in their hidden pile. I just forgot the name for the resource and the um, and how the pile was called. Um, but um, you, you you pay some, you pay one one gold, and no one knows that you you put a quest there. That could be any card in the game. You can do this, um, pay one, and um, save the card for later with with all of the cards. Um, um, and then you have one of the secret goals. Um, in one in your secret area and um, yeah they grant additional victory points at the end of a game um, for yeah for something that you can achieve during the um, during the game for example you gain one victory point for each monster with uh, with strengths uh, x or more um, or you gain uh, two victory points for each employee you drafted and so on and what those quest cards actually do is they help you to um, make future picks during the draft easier because they form some kind of strategy and they help the players to yeah to commit to a certain strategy and that is something that i find very very interesting and important for quest cards when we talk about um, um yeah drafting and all other games strategy games as well because um, draft uh, uh, quest cards are, yeah, they are perfect. The perfect way to help your players um, understand what they what they are expected to do. Um, because you can send them on a quest and um, really write down the requirements of the quest, and that can um, that can players help players to um, yeah to commit to a certain strategy and um, yeah play the game in a certain way and. Um, Therefore, it is important to yeah, to have the quests more or less early on because um, in Carnival of Monsters, it, it can also happen that you um, the last pick or the second last pick in a um, in in a draft round is a quest, and it might be difficult to adapt your strategy um, that late in the game. Um, and what the that's pretty much, I think, the reason why the Draft cards are not uh, the, why the quest cards, the secret quest cards are not um, do not have some kind of uh, 
track. So, for example, they could also be designed like for each employee that you play, put one quest token on that card. And once you have four quest tokens, receive 10 victory points or so. In that case, those cards would be worse because if you draft one of them during the end of the game, you might not be able anymore to achieve the the requirements. But how they are worded is that you gain X victory points for um, X kind of monsters or whatsoever card that you played. And um, with that wording they are still able to deliver some kind of value for you, even if you draft them late. And um, I think that is clever design for a drafting game. Even if I personally um, enjoy the quests that have some kind of track um, more, because they um, they really deliver that kind of uh, journey that you are on, that you, um, you're building up for something. And um, yeah, both of them, the designs have uh, have their advantages and maybe disadvantages. And I think the, the hidden quests are working quite good in um, Carnival of Monsters. Another game that I wanted to mention here is Gloomhaven. Um, most of you probably know the game. It's a very successful dungeon crawler from Isaac Childress. Um, and um, yeah, I've also interviewed um, the designer. If you if you didn't listen to that episode, um, I can strongly recommend it. It was, um, was a very, very nice talk um, with Isaac. Um, in Gloomhaven, um, you, of course, have um, overall quest goals per mission. Um, but that goal is not printed on cards, um, but in the campaign book instead. And that is not what I wanted to, yeah, to focus on today, and I don't want to talk about that today. I want to focus on, um, yeah, on the hidden battle goals um, that every player receives per mission. And um, yeah, battle goals um, are cards. And um, you um, draw two of them at the start of the scenario. And they're representing targets that need to be achieved um, during the scenario by each character individually. Um, And yeah, each player draws two cards um, at um, the start of the scenario um, from which they then choose one um, and discard the other. And each player keeps um, their personal battle goal secret from the other members of the party Um, even though that the game is uh, cooperative um, this gives you a little bit of personal motivation to do a certain thing Um, and to give you some examples um, how these battle goals could look like um, i have just uh, listed a few of them here Um, one could be that you should only take short rests during the scenario um, that means that um, yeah, you cannot cannot use um, long rests, which is a mechanic in the game. That is um, yeah often needed, um, to be honest, um, and that might change your your tactic quite a bit. And that is true for all of those cards. Um, and um, another one is that your current hit point value must be equal to your maximum hit point value at the end of the scenario. And um, another one would be using no items during this scenario. And items are oftentimes very important because they can do additional damage, they can um, protect you, they can help your um, your allies, um, and so on. And um, another one could be uh, kill five or more monsters during this scenario. And as you can see, those um, 
quest goals. They are quite specific and they could be very, very difficult to achieve for a specific character type. Um, let's say you are playing the supporter who is um, yeah, focused on, um, on healing allies. Um, it could be very difficult to achieve the goal of killing five monsters um, because that's just not uh, what the character does. Um, or you are one of the characters that um, is completely built around items. Um, you might be more or less useless if you cannot use them during the scenario. And um, yeah, that is the reason why you draw two of them and give the player the chance what kind of quests they want to want to go for, um, which I think is a very smart design design decision. Um, yeah, and at the end of the scenario, then the hidden goals are revealed, and if you accomplish them, the players um, are allowed to check one um, or two, depending on the quest, uh, check marks on on their character sheet, um, which is yeah used to to update their their combat modifier deck, which yeah, actually means they get they get stronger. Um, they help you to level your character faster. And um, another reason why I think these battle goals are hidden um, is that it helps um, yeah, with preventing um, the alpha player syndrome in the game. Um, if you do not have all the information um, what your allies might uh, want to do what uh, about their strategy, um, you cannot let's say, help them with all of their decisions. Um, and um, yeah, that is a, a good thing in uh, how a co-op game can use quest cards to, yeah, to fight the alpha player problem, at least to a certain degree. So one could they say that um, the theme really of those battle goals is, yeah, I would say, not given because um, um, if... if I as a um, as a cleric, for example, get the goal to kill five or more monsters. Yeah, I mean, where's where's the theme here? There is no theme, but that's not the main goal of the battle goals. The the theme in the game really is delivered by the um, by other components, by the overall um, quest goal, by the narrative, by the um, um, city goal, uh, city cards, and um, and stuff like that. And the battle goals are really more or less to to mix up the, um, the the battles a little bit and to to give players a little bit of uh, um, yeah of I would more or less call them a little side quest um, and I mean of course they could have been a little bit more thematic but um, I think they are they are good for what they are meant to be. The next game I wanted to briefly mention here is Dungeon Draft. Um, and in Dungeon Draft, um, you are dealt five quest cards um, per player. Um, and then each player um, selects three of their quests um, to keep and returns the remainder face down to the bottom of the quest deck. And um, yeah, in order to play the quests, you must have certain heroes and weapons of the appropriate class. And um, yeah, quests have no costs uh, or no other costs than this requirement. And for example, a quest could uh, could be that you need to have uh, at least three mages and three rogues uh, cards played. And unlike heroes and weapons in the game, quest cards may have um, abilities that can be used over multiple rounds. Um, they, um, for example, they can just you know, give you some. There were some points for at the end of the game, but they can also grant unique bonuses, something like um, druids cost two less to play, um, um, 
or all cards cost all cards um, cost uh, two less gold to play or so um, and they are really used to give players some form of directions um, and guidance to develop their strategy I would say that's their main purpose of the game and um, that's also the reason why they are drafted or not drafted why they are picked in the beginning of the game before the draft happens um, because they have a very strong um, impact on what cards you want to pick in order to fulfill the quests and um, yeah you need to know that before you um, before you draft and and um, that's that's the reason why they are not um, drafted in the same way as the other cards are I am not 100% sure what I what I really think about that um, and for my own game I'm currently thinking about um, how to um, add the quests to the game um, whether or not I want to want them to be drafted just normal as all the other cards um, but then I would have the problem that um, yeah if you um, speculate on them other players might pick them and you will not get them what which is quite normal for for, for cards during the draft um, and um, if you receive them late they might be yeah they might be more or less useless so um, I, I still think about that and um, having them um, distributed to the players before the draft um, yeah it has an advantage because I mean you get a guidance you get direction you know what you are looking for but you are also a little bit limited you um, you are going to draft what the what the quest tells you to draft um, in that case in that example you would draft mages and rogues but um, maybe the player to your left um, is trying to do the same or in the in your pack that you open is a very strong other class let's say there's a very strong druid but your quest um, do not really relate to druids and um, that yeah narrows down your your decision making process quite a bit and i am not sure if i like that or not for my game so um, i will probably um, test different different versions of that um, drafting the the quest cards just like normal cards or um, yeah distributing them to players um, before the draft and see what um, you know what delivered the better the better experience for the players and that brings us to the to the last game i wanted to mention and that is um, rune terror um, also a digital digital game the league of legends uh, card game implementation and um this game does not really come with specific quest cards instead each um, yeah each hero card comes with a build in quest i would call it um, and each hero has a yeah, has a requirement and once this requirement is met the hero card is uh, flipped and the stronger version of the hero um, with a new ability is available to the player this is um pretty much like um like the transformation cards in magic are but they are from the wording and from the mechanics they are a bit a bit different and i really really like them um let me give you a few examples to understand how they work for example you have um, the hero fiora um, and their quest is to um, to kill two enemies and once you have killed two enemies with her um she's flipped 
And um, then once she kills four enemies and survived, you win the game. This is and she adds a completely new win strategy to the game, a win condition. And then you have Vladimir, um, and he says you have to have um, six plus allies, um, other allies to survive damage. Um, and when he attacks, um, for each other attacking ally, um, he deals one to it and one to the enemy nexus. Um, that means he yeah he comes with a with a built-in um, way of achieving the quest. And once you achieve it, um, he is flipped and gets even stronger. And um, your strategy, if you play Fiora or Vladimir, is completely different. They 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 really um, are designed in a way that each character is um, very unique. Um, and um, yeah, your entire strategy um, is played around this um, these these hero. Uh, for example, another one is uh, Jinx. Um, The trigger here is that your hand needs to be empty. And um, then um, at the start of the round, you draw one card. Um, and um, the first time you empty your hand each round, um, you you get a, a very strong um, mega death rocket um, card in your hand. So you first have to, to empty her and then you have to empty your hand every round um, in order to get the the mega death rocket and i really really like um i like the implementation here because as as you just have seen the three that i've presented are so completely different um and um the other ones are as well um and another aspect here is that all of them come really come with with spells that help you to achieve their um their um their quest their their requirement And the combination of, of heroes and spells is very, very nice implemented in the game. Um, yeah, and it really changes the whole gameplay experience. Good. Um, that is pretty much um, what I wanted to, to talk about today with regards to quests. Um, I think quest cards are a great way to, um, to add a different things to your game the first and most important one for me as a um, as designing a drafting game is that um, quest cards can give the players guidance um, to find to find an appropriate strategy this is very helpful for for a game for a drafting game especially because um, it is it is complex It is difficult to, to, to play a drafting game without knowing all the, all the cards that are available and knowing all the strategies that can be played. And um, by having quest cards, um, you have the chance to yeah, more or less print the strategy on a card and um, present it to the player. Um, and that is um, a good guidance for them to, to follow through the draft. The next aspect um, about quest cards um, is that I really like is that um, it delivers a feeling of satisfaction um, when you solve a quest card. Um, and therefore, in order to deliver that that um, that feeling, a quest needs to be somewhat difficult to achieve, and um, um, the uh, the reward is then often a delayed effect. Um, and um, it, I, I I prefer the quests that are not some form of no brainer. That is just a um, something that is going to happen anyway. It's just a matter of time when it happens. Um, 
and um, it does not just give you additional victory point at the end of the game um, no matter what you did for it um, in my eyes it should be something more it should be you should really have to work for it and you just you should really have to adjust your strategy in order to achieve it it should be something that is yeah risky and um, that give you gives you a great reward when you when you when you achieve it um, and by just by giving you five victory points or so and a random random stat upgrade or so that's not doing it for me um, i want to deliver great flavor um, some kind of narrative with the quest um, and i wanted to um, yeah to really adjust the strategy of a player um, and yeah I have presented you different games um, today. Um, some of them um, are more focused on the mechanical aspect of quests by uh, yeah, granting victory points for different um, for different strategies, which is great, which which is uh, which is good. Other ones are more delivered uh, more um, on delivering um, a certain narrative, like. Um, a lot of the, the the flip cards and magic are um, are implemented, and um, yeah, other ones are really changing the entire um, entire strategy that you are going for. Like uh, like they are done in um, in Rune Terror with the with the heroes, which yeah, I have to confess they are not real quest cards, but they feel like um, being on a quest with that specific hero. So the quest is really uh, built in the hero there. Um, yeah. And I hope that um, was helpful for you, as usual. If you enjoyed the show, I would be more than happy to to hear from you, um, either by yeah giving me an, um, a feedback on the uh, on iTunes, for example, leaving a um, a reply would be awesome, um, so that other um, yeah, interested game designers can find the podcast as well, or by reaching out to me um, directly. Send send me an email to um, marvin at nerdlikeaboss.com um, or visit one of my social media uh, profiles. Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook, um, Twitter or um, Instagram with uh, Nerd Like a Boss. And um, yeah, until next week, keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss. Goodbye. Goodbye.